Witchy Ways is a podcast about the journey to unlock the forgotten ways of being in a world that's long taught us to be separated from our bodies, our souls, the world around us, and the other than humans that we share it with. Welcome. I'm your host, Jacqueline Freeman. Good afternoon and happy May Day 2019. Um, today, I am broadcasting from the um, Prairie Creek State Redwood Park. Um, I'm in one of the campgrounds near the Elk Prairie. Uh, we found a wonderful site next to the stream. Um, so you might be able to hear that in the background. And I have lots of feathered friends around singing their songs and saying hello. Um want to give props to the Europe people that um, have indigenously inhabited this land. Um, so this has been amazing. I've got some stories to tell uh, about the Redwoods and what a treasure they are. Um, one of the ways that they procreate there are cones, and the cones are about the size of a large olive. So the redwoods are the tallest living creatures on the planet. Um, they're taller even than the sequoias. The sequoias will get wider, but the redwoods go taller. Um, and they have these cones that are about the size of an olive, a large olive. And that's one of the ways that they reproduce. But more often one of the ways that they reproduce is to, um, when something happens to the, the plant, the redwood, and they have a very thick bark, um, sometimes up to 31 inches. So, and the, the chemical makeup of the bark means that they're almost impervious to um, insects and um, a lot of the diseases that will get into other trees. Um, and it also makes them able to withstand incredible intensity of fire. And even in this part of the forest, um, you can see it, and it's so lush and overgrown, right? But um, you see the, the fire scars on some of the trees. But they have these burls that will begin to grow um, near the base of the trunk. And when something that ha has happened um, to put the tree in jeopardy, then those burls begin to sprout. And the only thing that is, or the biggest thing that is a threat to a redwood tree is wind, because as tall as they are, their roots don't go very deep. The roots only go about 10, 15 feet deep, but they spread out very, very wide. And when the burls begin to sprout and those offspring saplings begin to come up, the saplings 
tap and are, are then utilizing the roots of the parent tree. So the root systems are likely millions of years old. Um, and here we have some primeval forest, old growth forest, and you really can feel how old it is. You can almost see the ghosts of dinosaurs roaming about on the forest floor um, amongst the ferns and the rhododendrons. And um, it's really amazing to be here in a space where these creatures have been allowed to be as they are for millions of years. Um, yesterday we were on Walker Road, which is an unpaved road, and we found a little pullout to sit in and have some lunch. And um, there was a very large cluster right next to us. And I wanted to meditate for a little while. So when I dropped anchor and grounded, <clears throat> I was kind of weaving my way through the roots. I was like, excuse me, pardon me. I don't mean to disturb anything, but uh, I just wanted to kind of ground in here. And they invited me to tap into their root system. And um, I was like, are you sure? <laughs> I just, just the invitation itself felt so warm and like rocking in a cradle in the softest strongest of cradles and um they were like yeah of course tap into this and so i began to relax into it and they showed me um how this parallels getting in touch with our own ancestors and tapping into that those roots that we have running along our own DNA, working its way through our blood and bone. And um, after seeing that, I actually, they, they were showing me how wherever my ancestors have tread, there is a relationship with the ground there and with those that live on the ground there, human and non-human alike and um, that I have the capacity, the ability, the invitation to, to tap into that wherever I go. And I saw these roots expanding over this continent, the North American continent. I saw it expanding um, through Northwestern Europe. And, um, and then I became a little scared because um, I know that my people have, or I'm assuming also, that my people have not always been respectful of the land, of the people on the land, of the creatures living in the land. Um, so there was a little bit of fear there. And they encouraged me to just let that go and experience what it felt like to be connected into that kind of network. So as I relaxed in, and I'm seeing in their network, the way that the roots ran underground and communicated with other clusters and families of trees, 
the exchange between the trees, the ferns, the rhododendrons, the ivy, the bushes, the the poison oak, <laughs> the poison ivy, um, the mycenaeal network that's underlying it all, and how they're taking information from the animals that are walking on the land, the creatures that live within the branches of the trees, um, and this expansive, how the whole system, how the whole environment is like a hive. And everyone knows everyone. Um, what a beautiful feeling it was. It was knowing that I'm not alone. I'm not orphaned and left here to fend for myself. I'm not stuck outside. I was the opposite of that. It was deep belonging, a sense of space. collaboration and cooperation, support and being sourced and resourced. All of these things that I feel like drive us in modern life, all these, it was like the opposite of all that, right? There's this feeling of alienation, of aloneness, of feeling like we're, we're out to fend for ourselves. Um, and it was the opposite of all of that. It was really beautiful. And it was one of those things where I wanted just like every cell in my body to know this, to rest in this, to integrate this and it to be something that I'm knowing all the time instead of um, that sort of restless machine that can be going in the background a lot. It was a really beautiful gift. It was a really beautiful gift. After our experience on Walker Road yesterday in the old growth forest um, and being invited to tap into the ancestral root system of a family of trees, um now seeing these little groups of tree of families everywhere right and for that particular family uh you could see that there were like at least three little groups of trees and then there was a space in the middle that was kind of dipped out a little bit so um the space in the middle is where the the eldest ancestor had been and these are all um, the present generation. So I had noticed that when I first tapped into them, it was something that I had noticed as I was walking around afterwards. And um, so now I can't help but see these little families of trees, right? Um, there's the ones that are immediately clumped together. You can't miss them. But seeing, you know, three or four um, little clumps that are kind of centered around a hollowed out space, um, has really brought this awareness of how many families are um, clinging to one another and waving across the 
the fence at each other. And um, so this morning as we were leaving, we had been camping on um, the Gold Bluffs down on the seashore. And as we were headed up Davidson Road, which is a very narrow, um, moderate, not paved road, um, relatively good road, but not, not paved, uh, that's snaking through, uh, old growth forest and, um, was thinking about, you know, how great this population of redwood trees were before the settlers came before the European settlers came and, um, and seeing how connected they were and having experienced that, um, I wondered this morning whether they still felt the loss of all their family and friends that had been cut down during the logging boom in the 1800s, mid 1800s and on until the, the park system was established in the 1920s. And um, as soon as I asked the question, I felt this flood of grief. It wasn't that long to them, of course. These trees can live hundreds and hundreds of years, and some of them even thousands. Um, so 150 years ago wasn't that long ago. And the grief is still there. Um, all I could do was say, I'm sorry, you know, and compounding the grief was this, they're already so giving, right? Trees, plants in general, are incredibly generous. There is a generosity in them that is almost boundless because they, they grow from being trimmed. It's, it's when you, when you cut the flowers that the bush will produce more flowers. If the flowers aren't taken, then the bush doesn't produce that many, right? So it's in the pruning, in the cutting back that plants grow. There is this incredible generosity there. And, um, you know, the redwoods, they're pretty, their bark makes them pretty impervious to insects and fire, but a wind, a good wind will be what takes them down more often than not. And there's a lot of wind here. It's on the coast. <laughs> oh, we had everything blowing off of our tail yesterday, but, um, so there's enough of them that fall um, for us to have more than we need. And so on top of this grief, the grief was compounded by a not understanding. And when the loggers came, um, they were so often cutting them absolutely to the ground. So, you know, if they had even left a stump, they would have been able to regenerate. Um, because of the way that they regenerate, but they, the loggers didn't even like that. They cut them absolutely to the ground. And all I could do is say, I'm sorry. I, I, there's no explanation for it other than ignorance and greed. 
And I'd been thinking yesterday about the Homesteading Act. Um, and the, one of the stipulations of that Homesteading Act was that you were to show that you had improved the land. I think people had five or six years. Um, you had to show that you'd improved the land. So as we were driving around yesterday, um, as soon as you get out of the forest, the, the land is um, just cleared, you know, and the sun can be really brutal. I mean, it can be really chilly in the forest, but as soon as you get out of the forest, it's, it can be really hot, even though it's, uh, today is the first day of May, so this is in April. Um, and I read this morning that um, dairy farming is still a big part of the economy up here. Um, and those forests were cleared um, for pasturing cows and dairy farming, this kind of stuff. And interesting that we, you know, our idea of improving the land is basically to rip off everything that had been there before. Um, and it had me thinking about an article that I'd written, that I'd uh, read uh, from the publication Dark Mountain Project yesterday. And the title was something like, I'll put it in the program notes, but the title was something like, um, Don't Worship the Deities That Came Before the Fire. And in the article, he's talking about um, the fires that were um, at Standing Rock, as well as the wildfires that swept through California in 2017 and 2018. And how these cataclysms that we are now experiencing that have no precedent that the only way that we can really comprehend the magnitude of the changes in front of us is with a religious mind. And he's not talking about um, prescribing to any external deity, but more the metaphorical mind, the mind that lives in story, that that's the only way that we can comprehend the end of the world, apocalypse, death and destruction. Um, but the, the article's really interesting, but the thing that really struck me was when he was talking about if you're continuing to hang on to the stories and the systems that were there before the fire, that when the fire comes, it will burn up everything that came before. So to tether yourself to what's coming. And sometimes I wonder whether what's coming is what has been. Reestablishing that network that includes the other than humans, the plants, the animals, the microorganisms, 
and finding our place within the systems, the natural systems that were already there, instead of pushing our print on everything. We do a meditation. So you can also experience that uh, little gift that I got or great gift that I got from the family of Redwoods. Um, all right, get comfortable. Make sure your feet are flat on the floor. Take a nice deep breath in. Exhale. Take another cleansing breath. Exhale. Now invite whoever your holy helpers are to come in and help you create a circle of safety. Call them in. Maybe you like to have someone on the left on the right, in front, and behind. It can be deities, holy helpers, ancestors. Call them to your side now. And ask them to help you establish a circle of safety. And for all sick and struggling, entities and energies that are in your field to step back out of your space to create more space for those that are healed and vibrantly well to come forward As this is happening, continue to sink down into your body. Breathe down your spine into your hips. Call your well and thriving ancestors to be with you now in this safe space. Breathe deeper out the bottom of your spine, like roots going down, down, deep, deep into the earth. Anchor in, and as your holy helpers are holding that space, call again for your healed and thriving, wise and loving ancestors to come to you now. Breathe in through the top of your head like a dolphin, down your spine. Breathe out through the bottom of your spine, 
and let that grow like roots. Expanding outward. Ask your wise and loving ancestors to connect you into your own personal roots, the roots of blood and bone. You don't have to know where your family comes from to be able to do this. It's in you, it's in your blood, it's in your DNA. You are their face. Just breathe down into that root system. Feel it spreading through space and time. Across the lands your ancestors have walked. Through the water your ancestors have drunk or voyaged across. Under the trees your ancestors have taken shelter. Communing with the plants that your ancestors have had affinities with. See what animal relationships your ancestors have cultivated. Feel those roots spreading, deepening. Hundreds of years of relationship and connections. Drop into the strength of those connections. Feel how it bears you up. What resources can you draw on here? What relationships are here to teach you and guide you?
breathe these newfound relationships and connections, support networks in through your blood. through your bones, breathe it into every cell, thank all these new friends. And start bringing your attention back to the here and now, knowing that you can return to this place anytime, that indeed you have it within you at all times. Wiggle your toes, move your fingers, take a nice deep breath back into your body, and when you're ready, open your eyes. If there were any special gifts or sources or messages that you saw while there, now's a good time to jot them all down and make notes. It's amazing how quickly these memories can dissipate if we don't jot them down immediately. Hope you enjoyed that episode. Thanks for listening. If you're not already, subscribe to the podcast. That way you can get episodes as soon as they're released. If you'd like more information about my van build or travels to get my feet in soil to hear what she has to say, then go on over to www.witchyways.com. That's spelled with a Y instead of an I. And uh, got to be weird and wild about it, you know. So may your heart mind, eyes, ears, and life be open to the magic and connection that surrounds us all the time. Blessed be.